You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast as training camp has arrived in central Indiana. The Colts have made one practice, one public practice out in Westfield at Grand Park. I was there. Our own Mike Chappell was there. He is back from his own offseason. Maybe a little procedure somewhere along the way, but we are <laughs> certainly glad to have you available and back with us once again, Mike. How are you feeling? Pretty good. Unlike a certain player we'll talk about, I am not on PUP. <laughs> so, again, just if I, leaving it hanging, it's not like I had a amputation. I just had a hip surgery, and I'm working my way back, but it's good to be back and, and back in the floor of things. Yep. Uh, you you, you, re- you refer to a very specific Colts player that we'll probably be talking about more than just today, but certainly a good chunk of this, uh, this podcast will be devoted to him. And, and who knew that this was going to be the case a week ago, um, just with how things have transpired. Um, things have gone from uh, just anticipating maybe something to happening to maybe doubtful or questionable Matt that something would happen to now to now maybe more on the uh, on the lines of oh my goodness this this seems like it's a little messy man did that that took a sharp left turn uh, <laughs> this week I did not necessarily expect that you know they, they didn't get a contract agreement with uh, Jonathan Taylor but I thought that yeah maybe it might be a thing they might get done before the regular season goes but man after things have uh, that have transpired I'm not so sure that's the case and, and with all all the many things we could have been talking about this week from training camp, everybody getting back together, Shaquille Leonard, uh, Anthony Richardson, which we will certainly touch on all of these, but it would have been a lot more than just touching on them, you know, here for the first uh, podcast of training camp. But that's maybe what we're going to have to relegate it to with, with some major news this week. We do have a lot to discuss. We will get into all those. Also spoke with some coordinators today and assistant coaches. Reggie Wayne, always entertaining, always enlightening, always insightful, too. Uh, but, but we have to begin with uh, running backs and uh, Jonathan Taylor and his situation here with the Colts. And it it took the uh, sharp left turn that Matt is referring to, chap, just uh, the other night uh, on the platform uh, priorly known previously known as Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to say Twitter. I'm going to say tweet. I'm going to keep saying that because that's the easiest thing. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. When Jim Ursay comes on to Twitter and tweets out, quote, NFL running back situation. We have negotiated a CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise in good faith by both sides to say now that a specific player category wants another negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling bad faith, end quote. Chap, I got to ask you, when you saw this tweet for the first time, what was your reaction? Oh, my God. (laughs) You know... We, we were, you know, we sat around today in a in a quieter day in the press room, and and you you just shake your head and you think, why, you know what? I honestly thought that we covered the situation as much as we could cover it when we talked to Chris Ballard Tuesday, and I thought he he really softened the possibility of an extension. You know, well, we're coming off a four win season, and new coaches are just getting their eyes on these guys, and besides. JT's coming off an injury, which to me wasn't, you know, very encouraging on an extension. And and, and then the, the owner comes out and basically, you know, just poured gas on it. And I, I, I imagine that his response primarily was fueled by Najee Harris's comments and all the stuff that went on in that Zoom meeting. But to, to think it wasn't going to be affixed locally to Jonathan Taylor, it just was. And, and then no sooner do we get that, then the agent chimes in with, you know, in, what was it? Uh, bad faith is not giving your top offensive player a new con- or paying your top offensive player. And then today, uh, I think Ian Rappaport put something like, I hope this situation or this relationship can be fixed. And what did, what did uh, the agent say? You know, probably not or something like that. So it's just crazy, or I doubt it. He said, I doubt it. So one thing that I've learned through the years, I don't care if you're right or really right in your stance. When you get into a verbal spat with an owner, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. So I don't care how right that JT and his agent feel they are. Don't just... 
get into a fight with the owner because it's his team, it's his money, and uh, I, I don't see how this thing gets resolved quickly or neatly. Certainly not quietly. Matt, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's, let's kind of, uh, for, the, for our uh, listeners who, who are not uh, up in the uh, – uh, completely up to date on all the details uh chap referenced uh some Najee harris comments and uh the uh the, the kind of meeting among run, running backs and and we agree i think that that that's maybe where this uh this uh came from this uh tweet from jim ursay but but at the same time as chap also mentioned it was obviously going to be connected to the jonathan taylor situation even if jim ursay wanted to refer to this other situation that happened it was going to be connected nevertheless can, so can you br- bring our listeners up to speed about what exactly this Najee good comment is so what Najee harris, harris said was, was basically basically he, he said you know as running backs we don't have a lot of recourse to improve our positions and improve our our salaries and the, the franchise tag has really rankled a lot of these running backs because if we've seen, you know, it's like a, a guy can't get a, a long-term extension, so the team franchise tags him, and then they do it again, and they do it again. They can only do it so many times, but by that time, the, the, the running back has kind of uh, burned through his value, so to speak. And he had sort of suggested that perhaps the NFLPA should look at reexamining the franchise tag that has already been collectively bargained, by the way, and how they would work, especially when it relates to certain classes of players, this being running backs in this case. And, and Chap, to, to, to explain this a little bit more, like there, there are certain classes of players that get certain amounts when they are franchise tagged. And it, it goes alongside of just how, how much money some of these their top paid players at all these positions make. So if you're a quarterback and you get franchise franchise tagged you're going to make like 30 40 million dollars whatever it is i don't know the exact number but if you're a running back and you get franchise tagged there's only kickers and punters that are beneath you and tight ends maybe i think something like that it's about 10 or 11 million dollars somewhere in that range that they make it is not not even close to what some of the top uh, offensive weapons if you want to include it like wide receivers would make so so that's what that's kind of the impetus behind this push from the running backs and like i understand somewhat their point chap that um, that they that the franchise tag really is inhibiting toward them and toward earning new contracts, but uh, the point that Matt makes is that this was collectively bargained and this collective bargaining agreement goes for the next seven years, I believe it is right now. And Jim Ursay, seeing himself as a longtime NFL owner, very in touch with the league, I could understand why he would jump to the league's defense in this situation. But at the same time, I, I think that he wasn't the right man to do it because of the situation that Jonathan Taylor was in with his team, right? Correct. Correct. Again, maybe he wasn't talking about JT, but but that's the only way locally you can view it. And I feel for running backs. I think JT needs an extension. You and I maybe disagree. I don't know. It depends, but it all depends on the money and what he wants. And, and I've seen no leakage of what the Colts will offer, what JT wants. Maybe you know they're obviously a ways apart. If the Colts indeed have offered an extension, we don't know. But there are some facts. The franchise tag was never really intended to be used on running backs and tight ends and all this. It, it was primarily a tool so a team doesn't lose its quarterback. It, it, it was really in, in put in place so that so that, that a, a Peyton Manning or a Mahomes or somebody doesn't ride free agency and, and leave a leave a franchise bereft of its best player. But teams have, teams have used it wherever they feel necessary. And what what players, running backs don't want to hear it now. But this was bargained. The, the players agreed to this. They agreed to the franchise tag. And not a franchise tag with limitations, but a franchise tag. And they did that because they wanted something else. They wanted, you know, shorter practice times in the offseason they, they wanted something else and again I, I don't know what it was benefits whatever and it's very difficult to to to, to have the the entire player you know all the players in the league say okay we're gonna look after him. we really want to pound home and, and, and fight for franchise tags when it's only going to impact a handful of players every year the vast majority of players don't care about the franchise tag. They, they care about maybe shorter off-seasons or whatever. So it's really, really a difficult situation. It's one that I can argue both ways. Again, I think, I think JT deserves an extension if it makes sense. Uh, but, but 
I don't know what his leverage is. I'm not a big believer in coincidence. And the fact that the owner a week or two ago said JT is fully healthy and ready to go, and then he comes out on pup, uh, and he did not fail a physical. He didn't fail his physical. He's just not ready to practice yet. And that's, you know, both things can be true. But let's say if I'm his agent, I say, okay, let's just play out the contract and go into the free agency next year. What makes them think they're going to get much of a deal in free agency next year? Because the market is not going to get any better. So it's a really difficult situation. At some point, somebody has to blink. The Colts are not going to blink, I don't think. So at some point, JT's got to practice. And we'll see how he approaches things. Hopefully, for him and the team, he comes out and he says, okay, I'll show you, and has a great season, and then we'll see. But this is really a strange time where four or five years ago, Gurley and Zeke and all these guys were getting, and McCaffrey were getting great extensions. Now you you can hardly get a sniff. So it's just bad timing, but I don't see – Taylor's leverage other than he's he's their best player in my mind and he's the kind of player you need when you got a young quarterback so I this is really interesting and it, like like Matt said it just took off it went from zero to 60 uh, with a tweet so we'll see where this goes yeah, it, it, when, whenever you got to look behind the scenes on what's really happening, then then it appears to go from from zero to sixty for us because we, we there was exactly. I'm sure that there were some discussions or lack thereof behind the scenes that uh, for the last couple months that Jonathan Taylor and his agents and the Colts were um, they I'm sure were aware of some of the feelings that from from both sides, but but now we know, and so that's that's why you're, you're right, chap, and you're right, Matt. That that for for us this is a. This is a very immediate or a sudden uh, development. And the the fact, especially that Jim Irsay goes on the Pat McAfee show and says he's completely healthy. I mean, that's him posturing at the beginning, too. That's him saying that's Jim Irsay, the team, trying to take a position and say that, yeah, he's healthy, he's ready to go and put Jonathan Taylor out there in a spot where if he doesn't play, well, that's on him now because I've said, well, I, I've told everyone that that you're you're completely healthy, you're ready to go. So now it is like it's both sides going back and forth here, um, uh, trying to get any type of, whether it's public um, public uh, appreciation or uh, people behind you, um, but uh, it's it just seems like it's rare in these instances to me that, that the public, that fans, take the side of the player. They usually take the side of the team because they cheer for the team. Like, they're, they're fans of the players, too, but, like, it's just so it's just so rare when, when fans would take the side of a player. And, and you, you view that as, well, he's making $4 million this year. He's a greedy guy. He wants more than what, whatever. I, I don't make that. Like, why is he being so greedy? They, like, it's just it, it's somewhat ironic to me that they always take the side of the player instead of the billionaire owner at the same time who's arguing for uh, not, not paying here, there, or, or, or whatever it may be. So this is just, like, it's a situation that brings a lot of different things to life. It's a complicated scenario between the two, and it's it's it doesn't seem like it's going to end any time in the immediate future unless one of the two sides takes a big step toward the other. Well, yeah, somebody's going to have to, like you said, blink, and I, again, I, I don't think it'll probably be the Colts in this case. And then, you know, like you said, for, for us, behind uh, not knowing what's going on necessarily behind the scenes, uh, the agent is advocating for his player, but you can't help but feel that there's some acrimony behind that, and that's why everybody's kind of uh, so, sort of airing the, 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 the laundry, the dirty laundry in public a little bit here. Yeah, try, I'm trying to give you, uh, all of our listeners, a little bit of both sides, too, because as Mike uh, said, like you can argue both sides of this. You, you can argue that the Colts really need Jonathan Taylor because he's probably their top offensive weapon, and you're trying to break in a new quarterback. You, you want a good running back by his side. Like, do you want your starting running back on week one to be Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss? That goes without saying what, JT, the, what the answer JT. to that is. And I don't want to disrespect Zach Moss because he's been in the league for a while. But if you choose between the two, it's a no-brainer that he, you want him out there. Like I, I think that you can get into a lot of discussions, which we have had here on this podcast, like who the better – like if, if it's better to have – 
a stud wide receiver or a stud running back for a quarterback's development. Like, who would you rather have, Taylor or Pittman? We've we've discussed that here. I encourage you to go back to our archives and just go back, listen to some of these discussions we've had about the value of these players. We had them this offseason as um, as we knew that these uh, these contracts were, were coming up, both of those guys on the last year of their rookie deals, uh, Taylor and Pittman, and uh, gave arguments for why both of them are valuable to this team, valuable to the direction of the franchise. So it's... It's just it's just everything coming to a head right now, and you can tell that there is a little bit of vitriol there. Well, all, all, the the thing that makes it really difficult, I have always been always been a player's guy. Get what you can because when the team's done with you, they'll dump you. They don't care. But but what's hard to really argue here, either way, is you don't know what numbers we're talking about. How far apart are they? Does does, does Taylor want the uh, what was Nick Chubb three years thirty six six or whatever, or does he think he can get the 16-5 average that McCaffrey got? Well, you've just got to, and until you know the number, and and we talked too, to me it's not the the years, it's not the size of the contract, it's the guaranteed money. That's all all that matters, that's all it should matter to a player. You know, and, and I've always had the idea that, okay, give him three years, that maybe he's really two, and the guaranteed money has got to be this year, which is four million, and then two franchise tags, which is roughly, I don't know, ten point one or maybe more next year, and then so, so maybe twenty five million dollars guaranteed. And if the Colts have have been in that neighborhood and he still doesn't want it, then it's not going to get done. They've got a, as we've always seen, Chris Ballard's got a point of where he's not going to cross, and it seems to me like with what Ursay's doing. Unlike, like, remember T.Y. Hilton when he pushed in a little bit more to get T.Y. re-signed? I don't get the impression that's going to be the case here. So until you know that the, the team is is lowballing him, which I don't think they would, or the player wants to, to, to reset the market, which would be stupid because that ain't going to happen, it's really hard to really come to JT's defense or chastise the team but like you said, I, I just don't see where this thing goes. At the end of the day, JT has to play. At some point, since he passes physical, we're, he had the surgery in January, so we're that far removed from arthroscopic surgery. And, you know, I'm, I'm not downplaying that at all. But at some point, if he's not practicing, let, let's say this goes two more weeks and he's not practicing, then what does the team do? He's not on PUP. Or, I mean, he's on pup, so he, he they could take him into the season and not activate him. So I, I don't know where it goes. I, I don't like the fact, as much as it's good copy for us, when when you've got this rancor between a, an owner and a, or anybody, a team and an agent, it's not good for the player. It is not good for negotiations. I don't see where, like you said, I don't see where this goes, uh, but it'll keep us talking. And the, the next step, and I don't know when it's going to be, is when does JT talk? Generally, we don't get players on PUP. We have before. What's interesting, too, is the la- th- th- this was similar to uh, remember when Shaq got his extension a couple years ago? Yes. He, he, he missed the first couple weeks of practice while this was going on, and, and then he signed his extension, and oh, by the way, all, all of a sudden he's back practicing. And by the way, it's the same agent. So... Uh, It's interesting, but good luck guessing where this is going to go. And and I'm glad you brought up Shaquille Leonard, Mike, because uh, part part of the the problem that the Colts have is they're drafting good players that are at non-prime positions. And and this is, again, something that we've discussed here on this podcast in the past and, and something that Jonathan Taylor will point out. Like Jonathan Taylor and his agents will point out to Chris Ballard or Jim Irsay, whoever they're in the room with, is that, like, yes, maybe running back's not a prime position in the NFL, but you went out and you paid prime money to Shaquille Leonard, and linebacker's not a prime position in the NFL. You went out and you paid left tackle money to a guard in Quentin Nelson, and that's not a prime position in the NFL. So why are you giving the money to these other good players and players you've said are the foundations of your franchise, and you're not giving good money to me, a good player and a dynamic offensive talent, someone that you have said you want to help build this franchise with. So I like from that perspective, Taylor's view is, is very clear and obvious and, and and very difficult for the Colts to argue against. 
and and, and yet the last two players to, to lead the league in rushing, neither of those teams made the playoffs. JT had the best run the season by a Colts running back, and this is a team that's had, you know, Falk and Edge and Dickerson, 1,800 yards on all the touchdowns, and they don't make playoffs. So, in a way, that's, of course, of course to, to argue that, though, you know, and the other thing is, but the Kansas City Chiefs last year win the Super Bowl with Isaiah Pacheco. What was he, a seventh-round pick? But they've got they've got the quarterback, so it, it it it's such a difficult situation, locally and nationally. And and I tell you, Saquon Barkley did not help running backs' cause. No, he did not. But by 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 you know re- getting a one-year deal for a little bit more than the tag. The tags what ten point one. So he 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 continued to devalue the position. I understand why he did it. But that didn't that didn't further their cause. It's it's fascinating, but I would much rather be fascinated with it being some other team's problem. This is something the Colts don't need for their for their development. Like you said, they need him, not Zach Moss in the starting lineup. Yeah, Matt. If there's another uh, all running backs uh, uh, Zoom meeting, I don't think Saquon Barkley is going to be invited after he uh, signed just one year and a, a little bit more than the franchise tag money. I, I will say this: that Chris Ballard did tell us uh, this week that he had had lengthy talks. Lengthy talks is what Ballard said about a new deal with Taylor in uh, earlier this year in May and June. And, and Chris is never one to lie to the media directly. Like he wouldn't say that if it didn't happen. He, he's very careful with his words in areas where he he wants to be careful. So so I, I'll certainly take him at his word in that so whether whether a new deal has been offered to taylor and his uh and his agent or not like both sides know exactly where they are dug in both sides know where the other stands so like the the fact that even if there has been no official deal offered the other side is irrelevant because they both know what they want so the Colts are not going to offer a deal that they know is going to be uh, rejected in in forthright they're not going to waste their time putting it together and sending it to the lawyers and going through every line of dialogue if they know that it's not going to come out uh, the other side with at least a chance of coming out the other side with a yes so so i i did want to want to add that there is there anything else that matt you want to to add before we wrap up our jonathan taylor discussion i I, I was gonna say that uh coach steichen uh as always providing so much clarity on uh, as he does (laughs) yes always typically vague is how i uh described what he had to say see how long it takes, and he'll be on the field when he's 100% healthy. Yeah, good like that. How about, Mike, anything you wanted to add before we move on? Yeah, yeah. W- one thing just to keep in mind, and w- if we're talking cold, hard NFL, the Colts have the hammer. The only option for JT is to withhold services. That's it. And at some point, the team will do something disciplinary-wise as far as whatever. But the team has the hammer. They can make him play for $4.3 million. I know people outside says, I'll play for $4.3. This is the NFL, so it's, it's relative. And they can franchise him next year and franchise him the next year. So it's, it's you know, we, we can say unfair is not the right word. Uh, JT may not like it, but this, this is the environment he's in. And, again, who blinks first? It's got to be the player because the team will go on. Someone will be a running back. Maybe somebody, you know, Dominic Rhodes was an undrafted player. He had a pretty good career. So I, I, I don't think the position is interchangeable to that degree. They need JT, but they have, they have their limit on what they're going to pay him, and they're not going to budge too much from that. All right, let's get to Colts training camp now. Uh, there are some other uh, odds and ends to to deal with as uh, training camp opens here in Westfield at Grand Park. Uh, the team did sign their final three draft picks, Anthony Richardson, Juju Brents, and Blake Freeland, who had not signed yet earlier this week. Not a surprise that any of them got done, in, in my obviously, in my opinion, because they're just certain set, um, set marks or set uh, slots that – that you're going to make if you're drafted at a certain spot now in the NFL. It's, again, part of the collective bargaining agreement that uh, that was signed, uh, whether it was three years ago or the one even, uh, I think, 13 years before that, because um, it's been a while now that, that, uh, that that's the, really... The, the, the previous one's the one that, that got rid of the uh, crazy contracts for rookies. Right. I'm trying to think, who, who was the last one? Was it Bradford or Stafford? Yeah, yeah. Sam Bradford. Bradford's the, the one that sticks out 72 million or whatever it was, and, yeah. and now... Because I thought I thought Andrew Luck might have been the first one not to get, not to get that, but it, like you said, these, these contracts 
you know what you're going to pay. It, it, it's set. The only, you know, there are things, I'm guessing with Richardson, it went to the last thing because how do you pay the, was it $27 million signing bonus? Do you defer it? Do you spread it out? Well, he's getting it all up front, which good for him. But there, there's, these things are, I think there's only one draft pick still out unsigned. And it's just, there's not a lot of, of, of negotiations to do with them. Yeah, and I was always waiting for um, Bryce Young at number one to sign. Like, I didn't think Anthony Richardson was going to sign before him, so that's what exactly right. what we saw. Yeah, no, you he, saw he Bryce... signs, then dominoes fall. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Stroud signed number two, then Anthony Richardson signed. You know, that, that, that was not a surprise. A pleasant surprise for the Colts at the beginning of training camp is the fact that Shaquille Leonard was not on the physically unable to perform list. And in fact, Chap, he was out there performing, if not at full uh, at full capacity, pretty darn close to it. And like, I'll be the first one to say that throughout this offseason, me specifically on this podcast, I have been the one that has been ringing the bell to say or ring the alarm bell on Shaquille Leonard that this could be a big disaster if things turn in a specific way. Well, at the beginning of camp, it looks like it is going the opposite way. It looks like it is going in a much better better way i am not saying that shaquille leonard is is at the finish line and he is not saying that he is at the finish line just yet but he is telling us that he feels a whole lot better than he has in a long time and the fact that he was out there and did as much as he did i think had to be as an encouraging a thing that we saw on that first day of practice chap as anything well that's because we talked to chris ballard too and he, he said shaq passes physical hasn't been cleared for contact but we have a process in place to kind of work him in, which gives you every indication that a, a, a pretty severe uh, snap count, and he was out there for 90% of the snaps. So, you know, again, we'll see if it, if this can be practiced day after day after day, and then maybe after a week or whatever get into contact. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I thought, you know, a really bad sign would have been him opening up on Pup and then would get the – well, he's progressing, but there's no timeline, which we've been beaten to death with. So very encouraged. He he was upbeat. Now, the only thing I say is he was upbeat last year when he came back, too. Uh, maybe not to this level, but it, it's, in, it's, it's, in, it's a positive sign. We'll see how positive it is. But, but you know, they need him. They need him so bad. He, he's just a difference maker. He's got – he brings – he's got the it factor on defense, which – it's hard to quantify, but it's there. He, he gets turnovers. Having him back out there now doing something is a much more positive sign than what the alternative could have been. Yeah, the Colts' defense last year, especially for the first half to two-thirds, was pretty good even without him. But but there's no doubt, Matt, that, that – that Shaquille Leonard brings an extra dimension to what's already what was a, a good deal. He would have brought an extra dimension. We saw it when he, like in the game he played, he got a takeaway like right away, even if he got knocked out pretty soon afterward. Didn't see a whole lot of game action last year. I mean, you saw it immediately, even if, and if you look back two years ago, when another all pro year for him, he was basically playing on one ankle the entire time. Like he was getting, he, he was. He was injured that year. It's not just hurt. He was injured and playing through it, and he was still able to have an all-pro season because he had a, a ton of takeaways, whether it was interceptions, forced fumbles. And, and, and that's, what, that's, that's a reason to pay a non-prime position, like I was talking about earlier, prime money, is if you are a difference maker, and Shaquille Leonard taking the ball away is a difference maker in the NFL. I mean, yeah, that, that was the thing that, that really, like, the defense was solid at many points last year, but they were always kind of lacking that, that closer, that guy that would just turn the game on a dime, and, and Shaq's the guy and a guy who can do that. I, even when he had one ankle, I remember he intercepted the pass, and it was very apparent that he could not return. It would <laughs> yes. have been a pick six for any, any other time in his career, right. but he was not able to do it. He tried to do a lateral, that, that sort of thing, but even on one ankle, he was able to do that stuff. So if he can be healthy, mm -hmm. uh, at least, you know, 95% whatever, he just makes such a huge difference for this defense. I mean, we saw it in his very first training camp when, when like, Chap, one of those first plays, he jumped up and picked off Andrew Luck. He's been making plays ever since. And if the Colts right. can have that on defense, I mean, they're, they're going to be a better defensive team. And they're going to need some, some playmakers on defense, I think, this year. What well, One thing people forget, and maybe I do it occasionally, this guy's had four significant surgeries in about two years. Remember that one in June of 21, he had the ankle surgery. And then he's had the two back surgeries. And in between the back surgeries, he had surgery on his nose. Because remember, he got his nose splattered when he collided with Zaire Franklin. So 
it's been a tough go. And what what where you really see Shaq uh, bear his soul, I guess, is when he says getting back on the field is his safe haven. It's when he can forget all the bad things and the adversity and this, that, and the other. And when he wasn't playing, he didn't have that. So, you know, you hope you you hope that he gets back. How soon can he be that guy? I don't know. Will he ever be that guy? I don't know. We're talking nerve damage in his back. Hopefully, it's being cleared up. We won't know until we won't know until we until we know that he's not back by how he's playing, but. You pull for the guy, he can be a pain in the butt because he's always using motivational things that, that that really he has to reach for. But if it works for him, fine. But there's no question they are a much better team with him than without him. So you, you got to pull for the guy. You just do. Mike Chappell, you wrote online that I was 6'3", and darn it, I'm 6'4". I'm going to go out this weekend. I'm gonna, like that, that's what – it I, seems like little things. He you just nod, cause he told us one time it was a couple of years ago, he said, you know, I said, I've got people, you know, his wife and all. He said, we scour the Internet. We, we, and I'm thinking, really? You spend so much time looking for bad things that are written about you? And a lot of times they aren't bad things. But that's how he perceives them. And it worked very well for Robert Matos for all those years. It did. And if that's what gets Shaq going and gets him back to where he needs to be, good for him. It's just some of it is so contrived, but if it works for him, fine. Yeah. I, I keep thinking I, I was going to look up the episode number, but I, I can't remember. I keep thinking that he's driving to work just listening to the, the one podcast about timetables that we did just over and over and over again. <laughs> that Dave Griffiths, man. <laughs> yeah. He, he may, maybe I, if, if, if he's back to 100%, Colts fans can thank me for, uh, for providing the, uh, the necessary juice for Shaquille. You were, the, you were the burr in his butt, so good for you. I'd rather it be you than me. Yeah, exactly. All right. Hey, a couple of players, uh, other players did start uh, off the season on physically unable to perform list, including Jonathan Taylor, who we mentioned earlier, but also Tyquan Lewis and Will Mallory are there uh, rehabbing and could be elevated to the active roster soon is what I think Chris Ballard or uh, Shane Steichen said a little bit about both of them. Uh, Tyquan's still rehabbing for his, uh, his big injury last year. And it was another ACL, wasn't it? And then, uh, then Will Patella, Mallory. I thought it may have been a Patella. Patella, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah, 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 right. yeah you're Patella. right. And then, and then Will Mallory as well, who uh, who came in at the beginning of rookie camp and uh, and got hurt uh, here during the summer. So, um, so both of those guys on pup for now, and maybe we will see them in the coming weeks. No practice for Juju Brents or Julian Blackman either. Both of them with hamstring injuries. Whenever I hear hamstring, Matt, I I just get nervous because those are things that like you don't know with the soft tissue, and especially with cornerbacks, running backs, wide receivers, guys who run a lot. Like you don't know how badly it's going to affect them, and you don't know how long it's going to last. It's, it's such a a, it's a tough uh, it's a tough balance to strike as to when somebody is able to return from a hamstring injury. I mean, I'd obviously rather have that than something serious, like we mentioned with the patella. But at the same time, it's still like it's not that it's the the easiest thing in the world to deal with for them or for trainers. So that's why they're on the uh, on the bench right yeah, now. It's just one of those things that that lingers when when your when your job is running and sprinting. It's just. It, it, it takes a while to get over them, and even when you're over them, sometimes they just kind of have a way of coming back, too. And, and Chap, I'll, I'll add about those two guys. Like, both of them need to be on the field. Like, you need to see Julian Blackman because he's playing a different position at strong safety this year that he has a little experience with, but not a ton. And you obviously need Juju Brents to be on the field because he's a rookie, and there's seriously possibility yeah, that he's going to play a lot this year, right? Well, keep, keep in mind that Brents has not been on the field yet. Right. He, he missed all the offseason work with uh, with that wrist injury, and he's he wrist surgery he's, he came back from, and we've all projected him to be a starter. And how nervous might you be if he misses another week and he's going to have maybe three or four weeks of practice, and then he's starting. So, and that's why I'm concerned about Will Mallory. He missed almost all of. I think he did his injury in in, in rookie minicamp. So, you know, is this going to force them to kind of look at either opening the season on PUP, which is what, the first eight games, I think it is, or or practice squad. So when you're a rookie, missed time is never, ever good. Uh, they need to get these guys back out there. But like you said, with, with these hamstrings, you better be darn sure he's ready or then something that's going to be two or three weeks turns into 
two months. And, and in terms of their space on the roster, I mean, they, they could not be more opposite in terms of what they're fighting for. Because Will Mallory is trying to get into a jam-packed Correct. tight end room. Guys that you are, know are going to be on this roster on day one, whether it's Mo Cox because of his blocking ability and knowledge of the scheme, along with Jelani Woods. Um, a guy that you signed like Pharaoh Brown. Also a guy like Drew Ogletree who had a heck of a camp last year. He's trying to fight all those guys. And then and then Juju Brents is the, the, the penciled-in uh, starter right now. So, like I said, very opposite situations, Matt, for these guys to find themselves in. But nevertheless, it's always important to be on the field and practicing. I really want to see Juju Brents out there yeah, uh, see yeah. what, what he's got. Uh, because, like you said, they're going to have to lean on that guy. Because, of uh, first of all, they were thin at cornerback anyway. And then, of course, uh, Isaiah Rogers got suspended. So that, is, that has not helped. Now, I did have a question for you guys. Was Josh Downs out there practicing because yep. I didn't remember yes. reading anything about it. Yep, Josh Downs was there. You just get swallowed up, you know, and everything else that's going yeah. on. Yeah. So he, he did make his return to the field. We saw a little Josh Downs out there. Um, not, not not anything too descript from, from my end, what I saw, Chap. Did you see anything in particular? But I, I did see him out there. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't see any any uh, any hesitancy or any, any serious pitch count or whatever. Yeah, so nothing dynamic, nothing terrible. From yeah, him. I just, I yeah, just wondered because I hadn't seen him yep. out and hadn't read anything. So, yep. so yeah, which, which means he probably didn't pop anything during you exactly. know during training camp, which yeah. is fine. I just yeah. was wondering if he was yeah. out there. There was nothing really that was all too cra- all, all that crazy for, for me from what I saw. There weren't, weren't any big plays, and that's also because they were doing a lot so of red, zone, red work. zone work. And, and Shane Steichen was explaining some of his reasoning behind that. He didn't want to do these full field plays. He didn't want to do put his receivers and corners into any full field sprints because just you look at the history history of training camps in the NFL and the majority of injuries happen within that first week because guys are still ramping up and that's another thing with the collective bargaining agreement the CBA ding 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 there's another uh, another one for the for the counter like that that players have negotiated with the NFL for is for there to be a ramp up period in training camp that at the beginning you're not wearing uh, shoulder pads you're not wearing any pads for that matter like there's a certain number of practices you need to go through in order to then raise the level to hey you're allowed to wear shells which is like helmets and shoulder pads but nothing else and then you're able to wear full pads and do full contact and all that stuff so they're really Shane Steichen is really trying to keep the uh, the exertion at a minimum and it was only a one hour practice I mean you're moving quickly from one one group to the next from one period to the next but at the same time um, it, it's not the same level of exertion that, that a Reggie Wayne exhibited in his day talking to Reggie today he was great he he, he says now it's it's country club uh, out there right now it, is the type of uh, training camp there is so it, it's the uh, the Grand Park Country Club the players are going to right now as opposed to uh, what he had to deal with during his time at, at Rolls-Holman or, or, or Anderson or wherever he was during his, during his time at training camp so so that that's the um that's the uh the impetus behind uh kind of the uh the slow start or the slower start and not big full field stuff for a guy like josh downs to be able to uh, show some of his uh his best abilities there um so we'll one, maybe one see thing more that, from him later go ahead chat since we were talking on uh cornerbacks and and brents they signed they just signed a, a veteran cornerback chris layman's uh just read the release here 42 career games uh, the last four years with Kansas City, played 16 games last year. It looks like he might have been more of a special teams player, but Kansas City, Miami, New Orleans, Atlanta. So, you know, if nothing else, you're at the point now with uh, you need bodies in camp and certainly at corner. I, it doesn't shock me at all that they signed a guy. I wouldn't mind if they signed a veteran offensive lineman. We'll get to there at some point maybe. But, uh, but, but again, they're, they're just adding depth at least some experience at the position. Yeah, last year, 2022, played in all 16 regular season games, but only had three tackles, two of them solo. Right. So uh, those are... I mean, so you don't you don't seem out there a lot. He was a reserve there. You can be a reserve here, a body to bring in and to be able to take some reps. Um, but, got a ring, got a ring, Flash. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, and they, they need the bodies to do it. Yeah. So. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that ring, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's for right. sure. So uh, that, that's yeah, that's one position that is not a surprise to see someone added. As Chap said, maybe some offensive line help uh, or depth in, in the future too. Um, uh, let's see. The team also signed a familiar face since our last uh, meeting here on the podcast. Al Kadeem Muhammad. 
defensive end is back. He played with the Colts from 2018 to 21. His last year, he started all uh, 17 games it was in 2021, uh, but he left with uh, Matt Eberflus after that season uh, to join the Bears as a free agent. Uh, things didn't work out for him in Chicago, so he's gone, and now he's back here adding depth to to a crowded defensive end group. If you're looking for guys just to have some experience at D-end, like D-end was not, not an area that I would expect them to have signed somebody, but they bring in someone with... Um, with familiarity with uh, the area, with the team, I guess at least, um, then uh, then yeah, you you've got you've got Al Kadeen Mohammed now returning to the Colts, and we'll see exactly uh, how he how he fits himself in. All right, so that all all that all of that uh, brings us to quarterback. And forty minutes forty minutes in, we can mention the main guy. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew both uh, look a hundred percent. Both look ready to go. Both out of training camp, splitting reps. However, we'll, we we will note, chap, that on this first day, it looked like the first team was was Gardner's, and then Anthony was uh, very much uh, relegated to to a lot of second team work. And talking to Shane Steichen after that practice, it was. Uh, it was the, the same company line that he said throughout the whole offseason that they're going to work a, a rotation between those two guys. But it's very obvious, clear and obvious, that at the start of things, uh, Gardner Minshew is the the first in the rotation of the two that are playing with the first team. And they'll get out there and practice tomorrow, and, and Richardson will probably be out there first. Exactly. And, and it, I think it, a team sort of gets amused by how we uh, – keep track of that early in camp. But, you know, we're not the one that drafted this kid fourth overall. They did. And they did it for a reason. So it, it's – I've said all along that what's going to tell us whether Richardson's got a realistic chance of the opener, was it September 10th, is how many – you know, how, how does he handle first-team reps? At some point, you can't divvy this up every other – every other day and all this, at some point you've got to give the rookie the bulk of the reps. That's the only way he's going to get better is working with the offensive line and Pittman and, and, and Pierce and who, whoever the running back is. But they'll, they'll tell us they'll tell us how he's progressing by, whether, by, by the amount of first-team reps he gets. And I won't be surprised when in the preseason open or was it a Buffalo that Minshew starts. I, I, I just – I just think he does, but at some point you sort of, have, you know, what was it? The, was it two days ago where Frank Reich they announced that that Bryce Young was their starter, which I thought he did a month ago. I thought he already announced that, but we're not gonna we're not gonna get any kind of declaration from Shane Steichen anytime soon on who is starting. It serves no purpose other than we want to know, but at some point they will know internally. They will just know. I don't know when that is, in two weeks, three weeks, whatever. They will. They have to know. They have to know who the guy is. And I, I've taken the stance that, that Anthony Richardson has to show that he's not ready, that, that he's not ready to do it, and it's obvious, because if he's close to being ready, doggone it, go with the young kid and take your lumps and, and have him get better for next year. Yeah, close counts in horseshoes, hand grenades, and rookie quarterbacks. In terms and rookie of, quarterbacks. Yeah. Get him out as long there. As, as, long, as long as it doesn't blow up on you like hand grenades. Right. No, no doubt about that. Um, so, so pure baseline speculation. I'm leaning toward he doesn't start week one. That's just what I'm leaning toward right now. And I don't know. Maybe it's because I want that to happen. No disrespect to Richardson, but I want it just so we can say that the uh, the streak of a new a Colts quarterback starts week one can last one more year. Like I I just want that selfishly for myself, so we could have Gardner this year and then Anthony nine next year. years. It would be it would be nine. nine. It's already going to be eight for sure, depending on who gets out there week one this year. Um, right. But I, I would not wish that both of them to, to be hurt or something and Sam gets th- this week and, and, and then it, it pushes it to one more year. We'll, we'll, we'll take just one more year. We'll keep it at nine and single digits. I'm fine with that. But but that that's how I'm leading right now. Uh, Chap, I know it, it's it's certainly like th- this is a this is an interesting discussion because it's just it's in terms of a feeling that we have. And there's going to be a lot that's decided between now and week one. So the Colts haven't even made their decision yet. But but do you feel anything right now to, to say that um, that that you have an inkling one way or the other? What what you think will happen over these next six or seven weeks before that first kickoff? Not really. I mean, other than other than, like I said, if he's close and he and again, as long as he 
can handle position. He's not putting his team at risk or himself at risk because he doesn't know blocking schemes and how to make the adjustments. Then I don't know why you don't start him. Uh, does it matter? Again, and I, I've argued this on this podcast before. There's no doubt in my mind you're better off record-wise by starting Minshew. I mean, the, the early part of the schedule is winnable. It, it just is. And he's going to have a better chance of making fewer mistakes, I guess, and having you get off to a good start. But is it going to matter if you go 5-12 and 12 or, I don't know, 7-10? and 10, the, the, the 17 games, games messes my math up. But, but it, 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 again, if the, if the rookie's ready, you play him. Because I don't – once this season – and I've argued this before. Once this season gets going, once you get into September 10th and move on, I don't know how you prepare that rookie to take that last step. He's, he's, he can't get a lot of reps in practice because you, you practice like three times each week. And if he's not ready by September, what, what can you do in, in limited practices to get him ready, barring injury? So – I, I, I kind of go back and forth, but I think if he, if he's close to ready, you, you start him. And but but I, I, they're not going to tip their hands. I don't know. Maybe after the third preseason game, I don't know. I don't know when they would announce it. But but it would be kind of cool, I guess, from a media standpoint, to have Minshew start and then and then Ar next year, and then you get you will have nine seasons of a different starter, which is kind of crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know it. I was just, I, I'm just, just waiting. I, I, I cannot <laughs> process all of that. It's like it's like the uh, the Browns, you know, or the Dolphins, you know, one of those jerseys that you saw fans have in the day after had like Marino. Twenty names on it. Like everybody crossed off and crossed off and crossed off, which is one after the other after the other. Yeah, uh, that that the Colts are in that scenario. Now, I will say this: if the Colts want him to start Week One, they're going to need to get him ready in training camp. And what I mean exactly. by that, what I mean by that is like what we saw in the first practice during eleven on eleven, he threw like two passes. Everything else Correct. was RPOs. And is it important for him to do RPOs? Yes, because I think that's going to be an important part of him leading this offense. That's a skill that he has. You're going to have to make the proper reads on RPOs, whether you're supposed to hand the ball off or keep it yourself and take it around the edge. So I'm not saying that's not important. It is. But he can't just stroll out there and throw two balls during training camp well, practices. And you, you would feel like RPO would be the thing that he'd probably be the most comfortable with. And yeah, you yes. need to practice it, but yes. it's really the passing game that, that we're really wanting to see develop, and that's what we think he needs to work on. So I'm not throwing up any red flags by saying this. I'm just pointing out that as we go on throughout camp, you will probably see more passing toward the end of camp than you see with him at the beginning of camp. If indeed, like you say, Matt, he's more comfortable with that. Um, and then he'll learn more about the passing game throughout. Um, so if you're about to go to camp this weekend, who knows? Maybe they just do, do full-fledged passing. They do third and long scenarios because that's something that, that they could specifically do is do a third and long uh, period. So you're trying to convert, you know, third and eight, third and seven all the time. So they'll throw it uh, a, a whole lot more than, than they did yesterday uh, as, we, uh, as we tape this podcast on Wednesday in the first training camp practice. But nevertheless, just expect to see them kind of ramp that up if they really want to see him week one. He needs to throw the ball more than he did uh, in first training camp practice, which is obviously obvious and is, is like I said I'm not throwing up any red flags but that's something that we'll see uh, over the next couple weeks so today here in day two of training camp there was no practice out there but we did speak to uh, coordinators uh, Gus Bradley on defense Jim Bob Cooter on offense Brian Mason special teams also a, a slew of uh, assistant coaches including Reggie Wayne the uh, wide receivers coach who I just can't bring myself away from Reg if he's out there like I'm sticking my microphone in, in front of him and I'm um, sorry to uh, to guys like Cam Turner who's quarterbacks coach or Tony Sperano Jr. who's an offensive line coach I know it's important to talk to those guys I know that their positions are important but I just can't pull myself away from Reggie Chap what'd you take away from your time with some of these assistants uh, uh, earlier today yeah Reggie and again we used to have Fridays with Reggie when he was a player and you wanted your work to be done by Friday. You did. And then when you talked to Reggie, you had to write a story. If you talk to Reggie for any length of time and you can't, don't come away with two or three stories, then what, you're in the long run, long, long, the wrong business. Uh, but but he, he's just very, very out, you know, straightforward. Uh, he was talking, I only caught the part, part of it about the, com, the, the combative, com, competitive nature of Michael Pittman. He said, yeah, there have been times that we want to choke each other. <laughs> yep. But but that, that's what you want. You want Reggie's very, a very quiet guy. 
outwardly. But I tell you, in the practice field, he's very demanding. In the receivers' room, he's very demanding. One of his one of his funny parts is is we mentioned that these uh, Michael Pittman sort of led the uh, the three days in Miami with the receivers and the quarterbacks and the tight ends and, and the value of the work and you know Reggie said that he they never did that. He told them that when they were done, he'd see them in training camp. He 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 didn't he didn't he, with Peyton he didn't go places, but he also said somebody mentioned that. Uh, Anthony Richardson, they, they held their workout at the University of Miami. And Richardson showed up with his Florida Gators t-shirt on. <sighs> Reggie said, that's disrespectful. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, so Reggie and, and the old guys at, at Miami probably would have ripped the, jer- the shirt off of him. But it, it's really you really get good stuff from most of the coaches. Some of them don't say a lot just because they're guarded. But, you know, we talked to Ron Miles about the, the cornerback room, and it, it's young. And he says you just get them ready and, and, and trust them. But uh, it, it is a valuable time. and, and uh, But like you said, Reggie's always, Reggie is just – they have to pull people away from him because he's such a good quote. He cares. He tries. Uh, it's always fun talking to Reggie. Yeah, no doubt about that. And you, you bring up Ron Miles, and, like, it's – there, there are different challenges for coaches, you know, whether you're coaching a, a 10-year veteran or a rookie. Like, it, it's hard to coach a 10-year veteran because they've been doing something one way for a long time, so it's hard to get them to tweak things sometimes. And it's also hard to get them to be better because they've come increasingly close to reaching their potential. It's also hard to coach a rookie because sometimes you feel like you're banging your head against the wall. And there's so much of the basic stuff or uh, what you're trying to install in them at the beginning that that coaching seems like it's it's continual in order to keep them on the straight and narrow path. Um, like they're, uh, what I'm trying to say is there are just challenges for, for both sides, whether you have um, whether you have a guy who's who's experienced like a DeForest Buckner. If you're Nate Ollie, you know, coaching defensive line, you're trying to coach up DeForest Buckner and get him just a little bit better. Or if you're uh, you're Ron Miles and coaching up this cornerback room and trying to, to to mold very malleable clay at this point in their career, so um, all, all those guys put in a heck of a lot of work. So obviously, we I mean we bring you what Shane Steichen has to say constantly, and he's just he's just the head of the snake. There there are there are a bunch of others um, beneath him that do a whole lot of work, and that that work is just beginning in earnest in, in training camp in Westfield, and we will be out there for the next couple weeks. Um, the Bears will be there uh, in a little while. Uh, Jim Irsay will always talk once during training camp, so I'm sure that will be a very interesting discussion that we have with him. We, we get, we get, I, we're, we're supposed to get Jimmy on Saturday. There we go for the evening practice, and if if, if he fields six questions, because he tends to ramble, four will be JT related. They will be. They should be. He's the one that you know. He he stirred the pot, but it's always good because he. He sort of. I would love. To, I would love to see Chris Ballard's reactions sometimes when he reads Jimmer's his bosses his boss his social responses. But that that's what makes Jimmer say Jimmer say, and we'll get our chance to. I say I'll just say talk to him, listen to him, on Saturday evening apparently. So next week's Colts Blue Zone podcast must listen is what uh, Mike Chapel is saying. We eagerly anticipate what the owner of the Colts had to say. For Matt Adams at Statomatty, Mike Chappell at mchapel 51 I'm Dave Griffiths at DaveG underscore sports. You can follow all of Mike's work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Certainly encourage you to subscribe to us here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device as soon as we drop every week, as well as we are available on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone as well. So we'll see you next week right here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.